Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, everybody. How are we all doing? Turn to your neighbour and say, it's good to see you. (laughs) It's good to see you. Turn to your other neighbour and say, it's even better to see you. (laughs) Great. Hey, if you're here online as well, we welcome you. You're part of our church family today. Um, But yeah, it's good to be together. My son has decided that he wants to wake up every two hours at the moment. Uh, Good old sleep regression in action. So if you see my wife, she has very blurry eyes at the moment. Um, Yeah, she wears wears her sunnies around because she's up. It's like having a newborn again. Uh, so yeah, so we're doing well, our family. This morning I want to give you some church updates and before we get into the word this morning, a um, couple of things, a couple of things to talk about. Um, let's, talk about let's talk about our new addition to our church family, little Serena. She should be up on the screen in a second. Serena is part of our celebration offering for this year. Uh, and she is from, she is from Haiti, um, and she loves helping her mother with kitchen chores, running errands. She loves to dance and sing. She's six years old, and her birthday is the fifth of July. And we say to Serena, "Welcome to Celebration Church family." Um, we have our celebration offering coming up in. Well, end of the month, this month, and we are really looking forward to seeing what God does through that. Um, and I just want to encourage us as a church family, like what, what I was saying, let's be a family that actually thinks generationally and thinks legacy. Um, don't, feel, um, don't feel pressure to have to give a certain amount. It is an offering. It's, offering has to be a free offering from your heart. Um, the way that Charlie and I approach this every year, because it's part of our yearly giving as a church, is that we will ask the Holy Spirit, is there something you want us to give? My personal faith goal is that we try and give more than we did last year. That's what we personally try and do. Um, and just to recap, the giving this year is going towards um, locally here in our church, new chairs for you guys, comfy chairs, um, a new hospitality area out here, which we are about to break the ground on. Um, Wayne is excited to get on the machinery. He, uh, he's put his hand up to get on that uh, excavator. So if the church has got a hole in the wall on this side, you know it's Wayne. Just, just you can blame him. Um, we also, so we have and a few other things inside our church family we want to put that money towards. We're also giving... Um, towards um, blessing pastors' kids across our nation um, and valuing pastors' kids. Pastors' kids have a statistically very high rate of leaving the church because they see what their family goes through with local church and they think, I don't want that. Yeah. And so we want to make sure we value and love them. It's a very powerful opportunity. Um, And thirdly, uh, we're going to bring five new... um, 
additions to our church family in the form of compassion and sponsorship. That is a, um, a commitment for years for our church. And we have a map at the back there if you actually want to see where previous giving has gone to. Um, and I just think it's such a great opportunity for our church to build something and to be a part of something beyond us. You've got to remember, like, it's so easy to hear information and go, oh, that's nice. Like, with Serena, we are literally in a place to take her family out of poverty. <laughs> Our conversations at home are, what do we want to eat tonight? Her conversation is, can I eat tonight? So we want to make sure, last year's celebration offering, we built a house for a family, which, think about that with me, we built a house for a family. So this year, whatever the Holy Spirit places on your heart, make sure you just give out of a heart of worship and a heart of a pioneer. Um, it's really, really powerful. Um, the other thing I thought would actually be interesting for our church, and I don't do this very often, is just give you a bit of a church update in terms of where our church is, in terms of connect groups, in terms of attend, uh, regulars in church. Anyone interested by those types of things? Okay, I'll give you some information. This is our half-yearly information. Um, regular church family, those who call Celebration home, we currently have 331 people who call Celebration Church home. Um, did you know that? No. That's across all demographics. And I think that's pretty cool. Do you know that last year, in, you know that every church that I hear of um, in July drops attendance because the winter lurgy is about and also because it's too cold for some people and other reasons. Last year we dropped 20% in July attendance. This year we dropped 25% attendance in July, which by the way in August, September bounces back because people are still a part of the church. But in that month, hence why you see churches do themes for July, like hot winter nights, those types of things. I'm just giving you some transparency right now. It's to try and get people out of the warmth of their home into the warmth of God's family. So 331 people um, call our church home. Our reach as a church in terms of people who have visited our church, um, if you have family who come for a baptism but they don't come back, is 510 uh, at, at the moment, so that's what you would say on our books that we you know, can invite people to. Is this helpful at all? Just giving an insight. Um, also, in July, uh, sorry, uh, in, with Connect Groups, 80% um, of our church over 18 are in Connect Groups. How cool is that? So 20% aren't, but 80% are. Um, if you're not in a Connect Group, Hey, get in a connect group. It'll help you, um, you know, walk through life. Recently when Charlie and I needed some meals, made our connect group, stepped up and helped us. It's all about family. So, and we also have celebration groups, but we're just still working on the statistics of that. Um, and I encourage you with celebration groups, make sure that you start one. Make sure, remember our theme this year is um, finding family and creating family. So with celebration groups, start your golf groups, start your coffee groups, start your pre-work work colleagues out for breakfast group and let's take the light of Jesus 
into areas that are outside our four walls. Does that sound good? I think that's cool. So as a church, we're in a really great place. Um, We have a great team. We have a great youth ministry. Hospitality is really going well. Our kids team, our kids uh, workers, and uh, the the ministry down there is beautiful. Um, Anne sends me a big text every week about what God's doing in the kids ministry, and it's just so powerful. Um, And I'm sure the parents here are very thankful for that. Um, So... Yeah, across the board, we're just, God's just doing some great things. Like he's just meeting with people, he's touching hearts, he's, you know, post-COVID, you know, our church is, is bouncing really well at the moment. So I just encourage you as the church family, let's keep stepping up in our hearts with faith and expectation. Let's keep loving each other. I don't know if you've noticed, but this year talking about family and being a church family better... The, the, the culture of relationship and fellowship after church is at a whole new level. You know, there's definitely an embrace of, hey, let's be a really um, functioning church family. Um, but let's let our hearts continue to grow in that um, because God has so much more for us in Jesus' name, um, which is great. Um, another thing, one more church announcement um, to do with Charlie and I is um, we're actually looking at taking... Um, some sabbatical time. Um, eight years ago, just to give you an insight, eight years ago, um, the board passed a motion that every seven years of exec pastoring and senior pastoring, um, that we would have six weeks as a sabbatical given to us. Um, and the reason for that is, um, after seven years, it's actually a biblical thing to let the soil rest. Different denominations, after seven years, get their pastors to take a year off. And a sabbatical isn't just a holiday. It's actually a time of rediscovering the call of God. And so we are actually in our eighth year, don't know if you know that, of exact and senior pastoring now. And so we should have taken it last year, but we didn't realise. And so in September, Charlie and myself and my son will be taking that six weeks We're also going to put some leave on the back of that and a little bit of long service leave on the back of that as well. Um, We think it's the timing of God for us to do that. We're going to to head over and visit Charlotte's, well, potentially Charlotte's family over in Europe and just connect after COVID. Um, But as a church family, I just want you to be aware of this and also that it's a good thing. Um, I'm also speaking to... Pastor James, who was a previous pastor here for 31 years, and he's going to be um, helping the team here. He's going to be preaching for us a couple of times. He's going to be checking in with Pastor Joel every two weeks to make sure that in that time where we're away that our team is supported and that we have some external covering. Um, And so our team here is great. Our team here is, you know, we have no concerns about if the church is going to be okay while we're not here. We have full confidence in um, our board, our key team, and our church family. So, there you go. So, I hope you hear that with the right ears and with the right intention of our hearts. Um, I think it's something that our movement and denomination doesn't do well, is giving pastors rest. Other denominations are much, much better than us. Uh, we're a part of the Australian Christian churches. So after eight years, or in the eighth year, we're going to be doing that. 
which will be great. We'll miss you, but we'll be back at some point. (laughs) And it'll be good. God's doing some good things. Charlie, you want to add anything? No, cool. No worries. Today, I just want to continue our, our thoughts around the family of God. The family of God. How hungry are we for God? <laughs> How hungry are our hearts for more of Him? For more of His presence, for more of His goodness, for more of a revelation of Him? I put it to you that often in life, the level of God you encounter is a reflection of the hunger you have for him. So somebody who isn't really hungry because they feed themselves on on other things find that they don't have many God moments because their hunger has been satiated with junk food that isn't God. I wonder how many of us are so famished because when you taste and see that he is good, you can't help but want more. <laughs> you know, everything we do as a church is about family. We're more than an organisation. We're more than just a group of people. We are a family. We are the family of God. And we have to see everything through the lens of family. And the question I have for us as a church family is, are we a church family that is hungry for God's presence? Are you hungry for God's presence? Am I hungry for him? Does your heart yearn for more of him? When you wake up in the morning, is your first thought, I want more of him? When you go to bed at night, is your... Final thought, God, more of you. When you wake up through the night and you, you, you have thoughts to come, is it you saying, Lord, Lord, meet me in a fresh way. Meet me, draw near to me, God. Those who draw near to him, what does the Bible say? It says he draws near to us. And I'm at a place where I fully believe that God wants to invade Feel, consume his church. I, I, just, I, I just think we have moments in church of seeing that. We have moments in church of his presence being so strong. The other day I was having a chat with John. Um, have, you, have you ever met him and Narelle? A great couple. And we're actually during the service, my son was a bit disruptive and his, his little girl was in, over in the cafe and, and the TV was on. We ended up just chatting about his testimony. And, and he said, his, in, it's his testimony, and he was so it better, but I'm just going to steal a bit of it for you, for you just to bless you. He said he was in a really low place and he found himself walking into a church that was near, near where he was living, completely broken. And in the worship, God touched his heart. And I said to him, I was like, you didn't need an altar call, did you? He said, nah. He goes, I was in. And while he's sharing it, he's like tears running down his cheeks in the cafe. Because that is what happens when God really takes a hold of your heart. 
It's so cool. That's when you see him, ask him about his story. And he said, you know, just in the worship, and I know the church he went to, and I know it wasn't like, they wouldn't have had the crazy best worship by those standards. It would have been a very simple, but the presence of God was there. He said, within two weeks, I was baptised. And that's where he met Narelle, his wife. And now they're here in our church. And I just sensed God's presence as he was talking, and I thought, you know what, that is a glimpse of what local church is. That in the worship, we are so consumed by him that people who don't even know Christ at all are having a moment where they're in tears on their knees because God is meeting them. But this is actually what God has given us. This is our normal. This is actually the price he paid. This is the church he wants. This, is, this isn't a wish list type thing. This is actually our normal if we want it. But the fact is this, is that the band gets up here and starts to worship and most of us are still in the courtyard. The fact is we have 30% of our church family away and it's like, where's the hunger? We, we actually um, have to be big enough in our spirit to go, I'm not going to be offendable. I'm not going to be, I actually just want God. Because this is what I believe. And by the way, this isn't my message. Good old prophetic coming at you. Coming at you, Cleopatra. <laughs> I, I tell you this. If our church lays a hold of his presence individually at home, and then corporately we join together in unity, his presence will be so strong in this place that I, I tell you, I'm telling you this, people will travel from around the world to sit in our comfy new chairs. Because you have to hear this prophetically, there is a, there is a thirst and a hunger. People are tired of playing church and church politics. Tired of just getting a pat on the back or, or, or they, they want a touch from heaven. And I'm talking about Christians as well in that. People are desperate for beyond the three songs, offering, word, and sit with the people we sit with every week so we sit with them again. God wants to actually meet us in a way where we are vulnerable before him, where we are hungry, where we have to, we're going, let's get the best says because we want to encounter God. But you have to realise, church, this isn't a wish list thing. It is a here's the shopping list thing. <laughs> Go and get it. It's in stock. <laughs> but we have to fight comfort. Because we all want to be comfortable. You know that? I want to be comfortable. You want to be comfortable. We just want, we want, we want, you know, get the, get, get, come to church and we don't call it comfort. We call it something else. But really it's just, and God says, you've got all heaven to do that. You've got eternity to be comfortable. It's time for us to let our faith rise up and to realise that church isn't just for me and you. Church is a place of ministering to the Father as a family. It's so cool. That's why when people don't come to church, it's like you miss out on meeting with your family to worship. One of the greatest joys for me is to be in worship with my son and my wife and he's in my arms and we're just, you know, worshipping together. 
It's just the most powerful thing because it's my family. Yeah. Well, as a church family, that is it. So if you know in your heart, some Sundays you think, oh, I'd rather sleep in or the Commonwealth Games are on or whatever the reason, put it aside, let your hunger rise up. If there's people you know who aren't consistent here, have a chat to them and be like, come on, it's not about you, it's about him. Because when did it become just about me? Again, this isn't my sermon. The sermon's really good, P.S. (laughs) You're getting prophetic. You're getting this getting a splash of prophetic this morning. If you do have your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 9. <clears throat> this is really cool. This, this morning is going to bless you. And it's going to bless him, which is the most important thing. 2 Samuel chapter 9. So we have this story and this example of it's King David. He's become king. King David, the king before King David, was who? It was Saul. Saul's son was Jonathan, who was King David's best friend. And Jonathan has a son called Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. I've practiced that so many times over the weekend. Literally, I was on the couch. Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. And what would happen, though, is when a king would come to their throne, remember, Saul tried to kill David. Remember that? Like, Saul was insecure and tried to kill David because David was anointed, the new king. He was the man. And Saul was like, I've got to get rid of him. Saul ends up dying. His son, Jonathan, ends up dying. And David is now the king. He is the ruler. And we'll pick up the story from here. It says in verse 1, David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I might show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Remember, Jonathan was his best friend who was Saul's son. It says in verse 11, it says, So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. This is Saul's grandson. Mephibosheth was Saul's grandson. He says he ate at his table as one of the king's sons and Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah and all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both of his feet. So Mephibosheth came from a lion of royalty. This is so cool. Get ready. This is so cool. But when he was a baby, it says in the scripture that the servant was trying to flee from a situation where it was carrying Mephibosheth and dropped him as a baby, which caused him to have um, become crippled because both his legs became lame. Now, we don't know if that's because his legs were broken and didn't heal properly or whatever the reason was. And basically, he became known in that culture, instead of being Mephibosheth, this grandson of the king, he became Mephibosheth, the one who was crippled. That represented shame. It represented his destiny had changed. 
Because for him to get around now, he needed someone else to carry him. And so David's here and David says, who is here in the land who is related to Jonathan? Jonathan was the one that helped me when Saul was trying to kill me. Therefore, I want to bless Jonathan's family. And they looked and the one person they found was Mephibosheth, the crippled grandson. And so David calls him into his throne, into his throne room. And he says to him, and, and by the way, back then, the new king, this is normal, would go and find all of the previous king's family, if they were enemies, and slaughter them. Why? Because it took them out of the picture. There was no lineage anymore. They couldn't claim any lineage. So in this Mephibosheth's mind, the king summons him to come and be in front of him. Guess what he would have been thinking? I'm done. It's my time. <laughs> I've had a rough life. I've had a sad life. And now it's coming to an end. And we see here that David sees Mephibosheth and it says that he honours him. And it goes on, if you read that scripture, it's, he goes on to bless him, Mephibosheth, with all the wealth that Saul and Jonathan had. <laughs> now, here's, here's where it gets really cool. Mephibosheth, in the Hebrew, his name means this, the dispeller of shame. Dispeller means getting rid of shame. His destiny from being from a, a, a newborn baby the call of God on him was to be a dispeller of shame, yet when he was dropped, he became the very thing that God had called him not to be. Because he became shame through his affliction. So King David has this prophetic foresight to see this crippled boy and to say, listen, no longer will you sit on the ground or in shame but I'm now going to cause you to sit at my table. And through his generosity, he dispels the shame. Why is it important that we have a heart that is prophetically generous, that knows how to give and see things on people's lives? And, and like this, Serena giving to... We don't know who we're giving. Because we understand that when you recognise the call on someone... Generosity establishes the call. Yeah. <laughs> How cool. David had every right to kill Mephibosheth. Instead, he honours him. He blesses him. The power of generosity is this. It causes us to recognise the destiny on people and situations and then through generosity establish the very call of God on that person. Or on that church. So we're doing to a P pastor's kid, PK project. Some of us don't understand why that's powerful. Some of us do. But what we're doing is on behalf of the church, we are establishing the destinies of God in these pastor's kids. How interesting, hey? We are becoming dispellers of shame. <laughs> is this okay? I love this. This is... This is so cool. This is never underestimate generosity. Don't underestimate the celebration offering. Don't, don't underestimate the prophetic utterance in the, from the pulpit. God's trying to speak to us. 
Oh, it's so cool. The other cool thing is this. So I'm going to just move over here. I've got two lots of notes. I'm going to take my water and my drink. So this represents David's table. This represents the table of family, the royal's table. And to sit at the king's table was the greatest honour in the land. You couldn't get much higher than that. It was like, if you're sitting with the king and enjoying his food, the best food ever in the land, then guess what? You're now adopted in. Even, even, even David's top generals wouldn't probably sit at the table. It was just for family. So this Mephibosheth, the grandson of Saul, the one who was the enemy, the one who was full of shame due to his crippled uh, state, the one that had to be carried around. You think about this. Imagine you're a royal person, but the only way to get around is by somebody carrying you. You are now known as that. King David has this amazing prophetic moment where he says, Mephibosheth, let me come over. Let me just welcome. I bless you. I give you the inheritance that was lost through shame. Amazing. And he picks him up. And he says, come and see it. Come and see the... In the table which represents family, covers his shame. And the power of God's family is that when we pick up people who are broken, who are shamed, who are, and we say, hey, come and sit. Okay, come and sit. Come and come. This is, you come sit at the king's table. You come sit at the family. And when he sits at the table, I know you can see my legs, but there, it's, it's, his shame is covered by the family. Oh, how amazing. This, the, the family, the, the table, the family, the, 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 his shame, his brokenness, his past, his, his, he doesn't deserve it, but come and sit next to me and no one can see your broken legs anymore. We don't judge you by your broken legs anymore. We don't judge you by your broken... Family, the kingdom of God, the power of God's family is that we have those who are broken and crippled sit and we cover their shame. Oh, how cool. And Mephibosheth is this guy, and it's got this name, uh, prophetically, the the dispeller of shame. And it wasn't until King David had a a generous moment. Come and sit. Come and enjoy. Come and eat as much as you want. And not just that, it says that he ate every day there. (laughs) This isn't a one-off because I'm feeling nice and because I'm in a good mood. You're now part of my family. Even though you're part of Saul's family, you're now part of my family. And I'm going to bless you above and beyond. And no one's going to see your shame anymore because guess what? My table covers you. (laughs) Cool. But he had to reach down. People who are broken, people who are hurt, people who have lost their identity, people who, and the royal king and his helpers, come on. Gotcha. And there's no doubt Mephibosheth's probably shaking like, what's he going to do? 
Is he going to kill me? Is this the end? Then I meant, you're, you're, with, you're with mania. Come and sit. Come relax. Come be blessed. Come enjoy the table. Come and enjoy the presence of God. We have this um, opportunity at the end of the month to give to a generosity celebration offering, you know, to be generous and to, for some of us it's a very, we just hear it from a very natural point of view of chairs and practicals and that stuff, but for some of us we hear the prophetic utterance. We actually hear that we are creating spaces through generosity that Mephibosheths would actually step into their destinies. You know, what I absolutely love, and I think if we're a church who becomes this more and more, is a church that can see people's prophetic destinies. What has God called them to be? Who are they called to be? And how are we going to be the ones to help pick them up and sit them in places where they can discover who God is in their life? That is on our house. That's on the church. So when you meet new people, don't look at them through natural eyes. Say, Holy Spirit, what is it you have for this person? When you, when you see someone who's been in church for years and you become really familiar with them, always be thinking to yourself oh, and praying, Holy Spirit, how can I help draw out the God destiny in them? Because I tell you, both inside our church and inside the church and inside the body of Christ, there are people who have a Mephibosheth, sorry, mentality and, and it, just because they're in a church they feel like maybe there's shame we feel like they don't have shame or they don't have struggles they, no they need to be picked up still so it's so important that we show kindness it's so, imp- so important that we are prophetic people with a celebration offering don't just be prophetic give generationally give to those who are yet to come why? Because that's what kingdom people do. So just to conclude, I just have two questions for you. Number one, how can we recognise and establish the potential God call on people's lives through generosity? Remember, through King David's generosity, he caused Mephibosheth to go from being a man of shame to being the man he was called to be, a dispeller of shame, and sitting at the royal table, which was his birthright. Number two, how can we invite and lift people who are broken to sit at the table of family where brokenness and shame are covered? How can we invite people and lift them so they can sit at the table of family I'm nearly finished, but have you noticed that when Jesus tells us to pray, he says, he says, our Father who art in heaven. He doesn't say my Father who art in heaven. He says our. Which gives us this insight that everything we do has to be seen through the lens of kingdom family. (laughs) So when people stay home and just watch YouTube and think that's their church, they're missing out on a major element. 
there is a blessing in the corporate family. So fight for that. Fight for family. Fight for the normal. Especially when you don't feel like going to church. Do it because they're often the weeks that God has something big for you. You know, we have 331 people in our church, but we have 30,000 and a lot of, in our city, and a lot of them don't know Christ. The great thing about this table in the kingdom is that it's a huge table. <laughs> I would say the table, it, just, it keeps growing and growing. More and more seats. Christ died that none would perish. So let's be great at being people who can invite and pick up, place beside us, in Jesus' name. Why don't we stand to our feet? I got Charlie to come up. Why don't we just close our eyes and just just take a moment to really just reflect on what the Father is saying to us today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for the example of Mephibosheth. We thank you, Lord, that prophetically he was called to be a dispeller of shame. And when life came along and broke him, when shame entered his life, we thank you that King David saw past that, picked him up and placed him at the table where he was called to be. And I pray this morning that we would get such a revelation of kingdom generosity. Lord, that when we lift people who have forgotten the call, the destiny of God upon them, that you will cause us as a church family to be, uh, to be lifting them and sitting beside them at the table. We don't want to be a selfish people. Please don't let us be a selfish people. We want to be a people who see lives restored, see shame covered, see forgiveness reign. Help us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just really get a sense um, that as when Benai was, was preaching, he even said it himself, that you can be in church for years, but you still might have that Mephibosheth shame. You know, just because you call yourself a Christian, just because you're even serving on team, there still could be that shame that you feel in yourself. You know, you are you're always your worst enemy because you know... <laughs> You know your faults, your failures better than anybody else. And I want to speak to those people in the room and listening 
that you might be carrying around shame in your heart. Maybe it's from past. Maybe it's from, you know, the life that you lived before, you know, you said yes to Jesus. Maybe it's the things that have happened recently in your world, maybe broken relationships, maybe mistakes. Maybe there's addictions in your life that you keep going back to. I want to speak to your heart this morning. If that's you in this place, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything like that, but you know, you know in your heart. And I just want to pray for those people. So Holy Spirit, I pray for the people that are in our family already, that are carrying around shame from past, from hurt, from mistakes, from addictions, whatever it may be. Holy Spirit, right now, I just ask that you just release them from their shame. That as Benaiah so beautifully illustrated, being lifted up and placed at the table, that they would get a sense this morning of you, King Jesus. We're talking about King David in this story, but King Jesus, that in this moment, that they would be so held by your loving arms, picked up this morning and released of their shame, that you are healer, that you are the one that forgives us, that you are the one that sets us free, that there is no shame too big or too great that you, you are not capable of setting us free from. And so I just declare for the people inside our family this morning that they be released in your mighty name, King Jesus, that there be breakthrough, that chains would break, that shackles would fall to the ground, that weight would be lifted and that your spirit would just set them free. Even that word freedom, some of you haven't felt free for years. I declare freedom over your hearts and your spirits right now in Jesus' mighty name, that today would be a day that you recognise your shame has been lifted. Hear that afresh, your shame has been lifted. You are part of the family, you are seated at the table and because King Jesus says so because King Jesus is the one that does so. So I thank you for that, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Just keep your eyes closed for a little bit longer. Thank you, Lord. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, I just encourage you to make a decision today to follow Him, to give your life to Him to ask him for forgiveness of your sin, to help you. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to take a moment. If that's you, and you're like, I, I just want to, I want to give my life to Christ, or I need to, I need to recommit my life to Christ. As everyone has their eyes closed, why don't you just put your hand up where you are and say, "That's me." Awesome. I see that hand there. Anybody else? You just want to make sure your life is right with Christ. Awesome over here too. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Let's just pray together this prayer of commitment. And if you put your hand up, just pray from the depths of your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. And today I ask for forgiveness for all my wrongdoing. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my life, to wash me clean, be my Lord and Saviour, 
And Holy Spirit, I invite you into my heart. Please help me every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. If you prayed that prayer, feel free to come down and get more prayer. And if you need, this is something prophetic. If you feel like you want more prayer, especially if there's anything that I spoke about or Charlie just then spoke about, come down. We'd love to pray with you. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.